You're listening to the No Name Photo Show. It's not spouse approved. It may or may not be safe for work. We'll see. And now here's your host, Brian Matias, and me, Sharky James. So, Brian, here we are, episode 14. We have Quattro Decupult, our episode output. <laughs> Quattro Decupult, you say? I do, and I have to spend a little bit of time practicing that. Quattro Decupult. Sounds like you needed more practice. <laughs> Anyhow, I hear another voice in the room. You want to tell us who's there? Yeah, I mean, it's weird. We, we, I think we, we seal the doors, but people keep managing to come in. So uh, we, have, uh, we have the wonderful, wonderful Tamara Lackey. Tamara, please introduce yourself. Tell people uh, what they need to know about you. Yeah, well, first of all, I can apparently get into closed door rooms. Yes. <laughs> so thank you for letting me slide in. Uh, my name is, you said it correctly, Tamara Lackey. A lot of people say Tamara or Tamara. So you said it right. I am based out of Chapel Hill, North Carolina, portrait commercial editorial photographer with a big emphasis on humanitarian work, which I love. And I've been shooting for about 15 years now. And many of those years were good, which is wonderful. And uh, yeah, my website's TamaraLackey.com. You can see me on all the socials at that handle. And I am right now taking a break from being thick in the flurry of finishing a book so we could have this conversation because this is fascinating stuff. Awesome. And we will be linking to your website and to your book uh, if there is anywhere that you want to point people to in the show notes at nonamephotoshow.com. So I'm really happy to have you here, Tamara. Tamara's a, a personal friend. I've known Tamara for years now, and I've long admired not just her photography, which is self-evident, but the causes you make you make me feel good about being a human in a time when i very often feel <laughs> terrible about being alive right now so you balance how i make brian feel about himself that's exactly <laughs> you are the yin to to my yang with sharky so sharky do you want me to usually you you bother me about something at this point what was that uh let's see uh could it be what's on today's episode ah yes well, so this is the topic that this is one of the very first topics that that you and I, Sharky, have had in our little Trello board, and that's uh, the kind of the state of the photo industry and women, the representation of women, and uh, you know how they fare in this very male-dominated industry. And the thing was that we specifically wanted to have Tamara on. This wasn't just kind of like a happy coincidence. We were kind of waiting for the right time. So, Tamara, thank you for being here. And then the second topic is also kind of a nice happy accident with Tamara being a kind of uh, does a lot of portrait photography as well lifestyle is Sharky have you ever had a uh, someone ask like hey can you take my photo like a family member or a friend all the darn time you know normally if it's like yeah I'll take my iPhone out and I'll photograph you that's cool but like when it's like hey no you're like a real photographer you know air quotes can we do like a whole shoot type of thing where you know you're using time resources and stuff like that how does that well we're going to talk about that with with Tamara so to start this is kind of a this is a, a tough subject partly because it is funny Tamara that it's Two men, you know, bringing this topic up with you. We had this conversation, you and I, when we were at Photo Plus together. But let's just to kind of get it out there. What is your perception right now? What is your thought of females in photography? Yeah, let's just keep it there. Full stop. Yeah, I mean, I have a 
multifold opinion. <laughs> On the one hand, uh, by and large, it does seem like women are underrepresented as it relates to being in photography. And I think there's a few reasons for that, which we can discuss. But um, certainly when you're thinking about at the professional level, keeping up with a steady balance of shoots and uh, managing you know, social platform and education and things like that, when you start kind of putting everything into the mix, the representation gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And, um, and it's something that I think it's not just necessarily the representation, but it's also a lot of the subtle stuff. So it's not just like flat out kind of experiences what a lot of people have, which is full on harassment. You know, I, I, I know very few female photographers who haven't experienced pretty straight on clear harassment. But separately from that is just the, um, the subtle ways that people get kind of moved in and out for positions based on something as simple as gender. And um, yeah, go on. No, no, sorry. Um I also wanted to ask Sharky a question, which I will in a second, but the, the harassment part, I think, is very timely, given in almost every other kind of professional industry or major, very visible one, like politics and sure. entertainment. Yeah. We're seeing this rash, this spate of, I think there were cracks in the foundation for a while, but now with the whole Harvey Weinstein and, and just every, and even before that, but... Dustin Hoffman, even. Dustin Hoffman. I mean, there's, there's literally every day there's a new allegation, but... And Sharky and I have talked about this, like in the photography space, and I'm not, listen, this is not going to turn into a witch hunt unless there's a, you know, a specific reason to, but I am surprised given how male dominated this industry is that there hasn't been any, as far as I know, any stories like that. But before oh. we continue, what I want to ask. <laughs> okay. I, I probably have heard more stories than you then, but keep going. You definitely have yeah. then, because uh, if I, if it's something that someone told me personally, that's one thing, but in terms, I'm talking about making it into a news cycle. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, but this stuff hadn't made it into a news cycle until pretty recently at the level it's gone. That didn't mean it didn't go on for years and wasn't talked about, you know, quite publicly under the radar, you know? We had recently, we had Terry Richardson, who... Yeah, there's example number one. <laughs> not surprised right there. That's the poster child, right? And then recently, there was a photographer up in Canada who was accused of a lot of things. But in our industry, just with all the GWC, the guys with cameras out there. Why are we not hearing more stories about this? Maybe it's because it just happens so often that men in our industry and I, just barely in our industry, we're talking the guys who just they go to you know a big box store, they buy a camera, they go on one model place or model mayhem, whichever one's around these days. And all of a sudden, they're a photographer because they mm -hmm. want to spend time with women. Yeah. And that just sets things up for down a bad path. Why have we not heard more stories about abuse in our industry, which is it's shocking. You think there'd be dozens by now. Yeah. You know what? It's interesting. I, I literally yesterday got a speaking invite. The intention of the speaking invite was positive. I could definitely tell that. But the wording used, basically, it was um, that... Uh, and I won't obviously put in any specifics for this conversation, but the background was we've been doing this program for X amount of years. We get a large audience. Um, what we found over the years is that it's nearly all male photographers who are teaching and speaking at this event. And um, some of the ladies joining our program have been um, kind of miffed about the fact that it's all female models and it's all kind of the same setup in terms of you know how they look and how they're positioned and how it's mostly men teaching and you know just kind of feeling a little bit like I'm not really here 
just to stare at women. I actually want to know how to shoot better. And so the invite to me was like, so we want to give something, uh, we want to offer something that can please the women too. And that's mm. the way it was phrased to me. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> Fabio. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, wait, that's just, an old reference. Yeah. that's. Uh, but it's just, you know, I think the intention was meant to be good, but it's like slow motion catching up and certainly does not acknowledge uh, the ability to teach a whole bunch of stuff. Not necessarily to just walk in a room with ovaries, you know? Yeah. You know what I don't understand here is like back in the day. So I'm going to be 47 in January and Brian's considerably younger. But back in the day, wedding photographers, for instance, were almost all men, like a high ginormous percentage. Now, I would argue maybe half of the industry is women. And yet you don't see the representation that you should oh. of women just in the wedding industry. And I hate this term, but momtographer. Right. Because and and so think about how denigrating that is. It's just because you're a woman, if this isn't your full time gig or whatever, right? You pick up a camera, you want to start a business, you're a momtographer. If a male does that, he's a photographer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's no there's no dadtographers. That's part of that subtle subtle thing. Or or you know the idea that um, if you are a very busy shooter and you have recognition and you do a lot of travel for work and. Even if it's not a lot, even if you do notable travel for work, the fact that as a female photographer, you are asked constantly um, how this works for you and the kids. And does your husband mind babysitting the kids while you're gone? And just something that male photographers are hardly to ever. I mean, not just photographers, but male, you know, people in general, <laughs> males in general. <laughs> well, so what are your thoughts of then, like, I... So I, I know there's like clicking moms, which kind of the reason I forgot about that until Sharky just brought up this overt like safe space, kind of like with with uh, gyms and stuff, how they have right like curves or whatever curves, yeah, curves. Is this helping the situation or is it just hurting it? And and again, we're not not knocking clicking moms or anything, but they are. I mean, they have a beautiful magazine, they have a really strong enterprise going on there. But is is kind of segregation the right? path, you know, kind of like this is kind of a women's safe space versus what we're seeing in all these other areas where it's finally we're starting to see some pushback, some blowback and consequences. I think it's transitional personally. It's something that empowers women to build up the ranks, to provide support. And then eventually, hopefully, there won't be the need for that. Everyone will be just part of the larger group of photographers and you won't have to segregate out that way. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's something that I think needs to be done in the transition to provide that support. That actually sounds like the basis for affirmative action. <laughs> I mean, and that's what the, I mean, that's, we definitely shouldn't try to approach is that there should be, um, it shouldn't be because you're a woman that, or, or anything. Um, it should just be, as everyone always says, the, the most skilled person for whatever. But what I want to know it's kind of tough because I've read your blog post and your Facebook post, Tamara, and and Nicole, my wife, Nicole Young, wrote her post about whether female photographers are underrepresented. Mm -hmm. And what from that respect, and the, the kind of common tie between all those posts is your posts had to do with the whole kind of flame up with the way Nikon Asia, mm -hmm. let's kind of remember it was Nikon Asia, the way they did their launch campaign for the D850. Nicole's post took it to kind of a wider 30,000 foot level in terms of ambassador programs for manufacturer companies. Yeah. And do you, do you want to specify what that, um, the Nikon ad, what, why that was such a blow up? Absolutely. 
Actually, why don't you do it? <laughs> okay. Well, the, the ad the ad hit for the new D850, which, side note, is an amazing camera, but the ad hit for the D850, and it um, was from Nikon Asia, as you are, um, as you called out, because uh, Nikon, like a lot of companies, uh, have obviously various business units that are being run, and Nikon Asia is being run independently of Nikon USA, but that doesn't mean that the parent company, you know, by that nature, everyone's kind of complicit, right? So Nikon Asia comes out with this ad, and I don't remember the count, was it 20? seven people 32 32 okay so it's 32 um photographers showcases the dream team for nikon asia and that was i believe across three continents and every single one of them were men and um it was uh and, and actually there's more there but every single one of them were men and there was not one female represented i don't believe there was even a person of color represented in terms of diversity, we can go back to on that one. But the, uh, which is interesting because one of the countries I believe was, was, you know, it's a very, it wasn't a very, um, representative group. If you look at all the shooters that could tell that story. And by that token alone, when that ad hits, there was a huge response like, whoa, you can't find, you know, one great female photographer. And, um, and so it did kind of explode. And I personally got, uh, gosh, I want to say, easily hundreds and hundreds of messages in the, in the first week after that of just people saying, Tamara, what do you think? Or you know, a lot of people saying, I don't believe there are any Nikon ambassadors that are women at all. And a number of people chiming in, actually, that's not true. See Tamara, see da da da. And so I finally put out a post in response after kind of digesting all this saying, A, absolutely sexism is real and thriving in this industry. And uh, there's a lot of issues and concerns with that. And it's been, um, it's been a combination of frustrating and having to kind of grow a thicker skin in terms of being able to, to stay in this industry with all the kind of, you know, jabs that can come at you in various ways. One of which is trolls who have no problem kind of going after women more so than men and with very targeted terms when they do so. And separately from all that, my experience as a brand ambassador for Nikon, which I have been now, I'm in my fourth year um, being an ambassador for Nikon, was uh, not that way at all. I've had a tremendous experience working with them as it relates to, uh, you know, shooting for them, doing advertising campaigns, doing marketing shots with them, speaking on their stage in multiple shows, multiple times. Um, they've licensed a lot of my images. I've had previews to brand new cameras that I've got to shoot really cool stuff with. I've done editorial work for them. They've filmed, gosh, I think at this point, eight or nine videos of me using their gear with behind the scenes or doing kind of tips and technique videos. And I've just had a tremendous experience with Nikon USA as a photographer independent of my gender. So those two things were both true at the same time. And as you noted, Tamara, Nikon USA has a higher percentage of women as part of the ambassador program than anywhere else. There's 17 men and seven women. No other company can say that. It was Nikon Asia, the Middle East, and Africa that was part of that thing. Mostly, obviously, Asian men. They said they reached out to women, but women didn't get back to them or weren't available. Mm. And so people, yeah. some people yeah. believe that, some people don't. But as far as Nikon USA, they've done a great job of diversity. There could be more women, of course. Of course. So this, okay, this is exactly the what, what I wanted to segue into, that sentiment. There could be more I mean, it's it's not like there's a, a scarcity of women, of female photographers. So what is the issue here? Is it... I can tell you one issue, but keep going. No, well, the, so is it... I want to understand, is it on the, the company side or is it on the, the individual side? Meaning, is there something about the way 
just that the cards can be stacked already against females on social media? Is it females are not as, I don't know, I, I don't know what how to, to look at it, but it's clear. I mean, I'm looking at Nicole's post now where she breaks all the major companies and master programs. Yeah, such an informative post. I love that post. I shared that a few times. Yeah, and, and she updates it every yeah. like seven or eight months. But, you know, what is the problem? What can, what are proposed solutions? You know, admittedly, for me personally, as a, as a male photographer who's been, I've been a Sony artist of imagery, I'm a Zeiss lens ambassador, I'm affiliated with G Technology. I've never, ever, ever had a problem with this, ever. What do you mean you haven't had a problem? What do you mean? Meaning, I assume the things I did would be the same or similar things that any other male or female photographer would do if they were interested in becoming an ambassador. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, so like before I did anything, I got versed with the product. Uh, usually I, I already own the product and I just start creating yeah. content around it. And then I market out to whoever the marketing or PR people are there and we right. build a rapport. Okay, generally I'm a very stupid person. Like there have to be other people who have tried this, but clearly I'm looking at this data right here and, you know, we're looking at anywhere from like 7% to Nikon's on the high side, like Sharky said, 29% as of September 17. Tell me what are your ideas here? One of my ideas is, um, cause there's many, but one of them has to do with the fact that I've had direct conversations with people who are in the position to bring in brand ambassadors with multiple companies and gear products and stuff. And what I've heard said is, look, I'm looking for the best photographer. I don't care if they're a man or woman or this or that. And I'm not going to go find a woman if I don't see that person represented as the person X, Y, and Z. Mm. And so the question is, okay, where are you looking? That's the question. Because mm -hmm. if the if the blowback to that is like, look, I'm not going to just fill a slot to fill a slot with an X person. They've got to have talent. I can point to a number of very talented shooters. So where are you looking that isn't where I'm looking is one of the questions that I would ask. But another part of that is on the flip side in terms of if there are less women to choose from. And again, I, I am very much not of that mindset. But if that would be the question, then the other thing is, well, why does it have to be that much harder? Like, why does it have to be that much tougher? Because you know, I do a lot of mentor sessions with men and women. and But one of the consistent things I hear really stopping portrait shooters, uh, probably more than most, is the the feedback they hear when they share their work. And so the the ability to... What do you mean by that? The ability to handle criticism, especially like tough criticism, that's not actually constructive. It's more just destructive. The ability to hear that to a certain point where you just say, you know what, <laughs> this is not worth it. It is not worth it to stay and hang in a field that's going to be this tough in terms of on my psyche and emotionally. And I've got a lot going on already and blah, blah, blah. I've heard a lot of people duck out for that reason alone. Duck out of, are you talking about? Of the, of the actual industry of a photography or, or at least putting themselves out there in a way that they would be brand ambassadors. That's unfortunate. And here's, I have a question for both of you. Do the masses, do the photographers out there, the males I'm talking about specifically, the, you know, the end user consumers, do they care if an ambassador is a woman or a man? I think we've gotten to the point, I think the younger generation especially doesn't really care. I don't think they, you know, if anything, they look at you and they look at Dixie Dick and Deanne Fitzmorris and others. And they're like, wow, like they've really accomplished a lot. Woman or man, it doesn't matter. What can I learn from them? And Brian and I have talked about this before. The various ambassador programs, I think, go for certain types. I don't know, I know if there's necessarily a quota, but you've got you're trying to appeal to different audiences. So you have somebody that appeals to those who care about looking for 
a Hispanic figure or an African American or African whatever, African Mexican. There's, you know, doesn't really matter. The different types, whoever appeals to you, because not everyone's going to be, not everyone's going to resonate with a certain personality. You know, people are just attracted to in different ways to different kinds mm-hmm. of people. But I think that most people in general these days don't really care if it's Joe McNally or if it's Tamara Lackey. I think we've made a lot of progress. There's still a long way to go. But I think generally the masses really don't care. There needs to be more representation, though. Yeah. Well, Brian, sure. when, you, when you were in that brand, brand ambassador game, like what were you looking for? I have a kind of, I think, unique perspective because I've been on both sides of the ambassador program. When I worked at Google, when I worked at Wacom, when I worked at Sony, I had direct involvement, especially at Google and at Wacom, with who we would, you know, in terms of an ambassador program, the kinds of people we would want to work with. I was much more interested in finding female are in Wacom. It would be just a creative because it's not just photographers, but at Google, people who I put on the suggested user list, I think Tamara, I actually think you were one of them as well. It's not because I have a quota and never once has that been. In fact, if anything, I would always have to bring this up like, God, we have such a sausage heavy program. And it's embarrassing. It really is embarrassing because I want an ambassador program that I'm part of and the one that I'm helping build to represent the company and the company's kind of vision and where they see themselves in our industry. And if you have just a bunch of just kind of like geriatric old school male photographers who've the same old, you know, old boys club people, that does not show any sort of evolution or, you know, skating to where the puck is going. Representation of the current pool of photographers. Exactly. That doesn't help you expand your user yeah. base at all. No. And, and which is why I will say for Sony, one of the programs I really enjoy that they've done is called their Alpha Collective, which is primarily compri- It's not like the, the artisans are kind of a, their primary ambassadors, but then they have this cadre of Alpha Collective members. And that I would say is a much more diverse and it's primarily comprised of these kind of heavy hitter Instagrammers who have huge uh, followings, who kind of have a social media savvy that even the artisans don't have. We're talking Manny Ortiz, Francisco, Joel Hernandez, these off camera flash guys and gals out there that are just killing it. Yeah. So for me, yeah. I mean, I I look at ambassador programs, uh, Tamara, like the ones that I'm part of. Yes, I'm I'm 39 and I, I'm kind of in this in between of the old guard and not quite millennial, but I am I definitely veer more towards and, and, and Tamara, I think we lean more towards the progressive kind of way of thinking in terms of how females we don't I never look at uh, the only reason when I look at men versus women is because when there's such a gross yes. disparity that well that you, that's it. That's it. Like that's you hit the nail on the head. It's not like you're out there trying to hit a quota. It's like there's a there's a disparity right. that doesn't exist in our market. And if we're brand ambassadors, we want to reflect the market. Exactly. And, and, and it really does come down to business sense at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I've been in conversations with, well, specifically, there's one person who um, has, he has the best of intentions, but he's kind of a, kind of a, a buzzer, buzzer in the industry where he knows all the players and he kind of wants to kind of get you connected with you and all that sort of stuff. And the number of times I've been in a discussion where he's introducing me to somebody and he has nothing but great intentions, but he'll say, this is Tamara and you really need more women in your program. And he'll do it again and again. And he leads with uh. that, you know? And I've said to him, like, I, I totally appreciate where you're coming from. I, I get what you're doing, but I need you to stop leading with that. <laughs> you know? 
How about let's list some of the, you know, the other parts? Because again, then it goes back to feeling like a quota thing versus a look, there's all this going on and that's tapped into a lot of other people who want to achieve that and blah, blah, blah. Absolutely. I guess then to wrap things up, uh, at least on this topic, what I'm interested in, Sharky, let's start with you. But um, what can you, what would you say is, I, I don't even know how to phrase this, but like, what can we do as men, you know, male photographers? And if you want to be so bold as to suggest something that, you know, what can females do or what can the company do to kind of improve this? And I'd like for both of you to kind of chime in here. I think having the conversation first off is great. So the fact that this happened, you know, a couple months ago, great, because it got the ball rolling. Just how the Harvey Weinstein, Harvey Weinstein, whatever, that uh, whole scandal and the domino effect since has brought these things more to the forefront. So you can't deal with something unless you actually deal with it, right? I mean, it's obvious. It's self-evident. So we're having the conversation here on the show and elsewhere. These different ambassador programs, reach out to your female ambassadors. This is how ridiculous it's become. And ask them who they suggest because they know all the great women out there. We could rattle off a whole bunch of names of women who aren't represented by companies that should be. You know, first off, so if they want to find women to represent their brand, they are out there. There's a massive amount of them. And a lot of times they're doing a better job yeah. than the men. Well, and well, <laughs> um, again, that depends on the photographer, right? But the other part of that is um, the you mentioned the Harvey Weinstein and all that sort of scandals. I think a big part of why that has exploded is that in our politics, the fact that nothing's been done for so long, it was like so much was ignored about what was wrong, what was happening wrong that it became this massive backlash, like, okay, we're just not going to put up with it anymore. We're going to out now every person in power who's doing this because too much is being let go. Yeah. What I'm excited about is, and I brought this up, I think in an older episode, but the culprits, the people who are causing all of this, the people who are so kind of calcified. And I think Tamara, I brought this up when we recorded uh, your show. They're literally going to die off. <laughs> That's so... <laughs> I know it's just no. I'm all for listen. It is. It's a harsh phrase, but these are the people who are causing so many problems for our society, our industry, our society. Just kind of like the way things are, and it's a it's a legacy way of thinking, and it's a it is a a, right now. It's still for some reason a majority way of thinking because the people. Well, no, it's not the people who are in power. And I'm not just talking about politics. Mm -hmm. I'm talking also about in companies, marketing people. Like once that passes over and the next wave of alive people <laughs> of alive people people who are not dead or hopefully and not the undead just the actual alive people just to clarify they will bring their sensibilities their progressive ways of doing things and i'm hoping this is going to be something that god let's just i mean to be conservative 20 years from now will be something that be like oh man that was a dark time yeah well because because you know the one thing we didn't mention this and we can move on but the other thing that's even weirder about all this is when you do accomplish things and you do stand out for your skills and you are recognized this underswelling of like well how did you get there like what'd you have to do to get there like that is talk about dark times i mean that is not an uncommon thing that i've heard said about other people that i'm sure have been said about me um actually i know have been said about me and um and it's again you don't hear that with male photographers who have done very well in their fields it's just like why does one thing most likely what happened you know it's it's just bizarre this will change over time thankfully like it might take 10 20 years but it will eventually we won't be talking about this down the road thankfully we can't be i mean this is this is just simply it's insane that we're having this conversation but i think we've had a very healthy conversation about this and i hope the audience enjoys it 
so the next topic, let's just go, go something a little bit, you know, snugglier and little notes. <laughs> Sharky, you had mentioned that, you know, you've had uh, family and friends ask for you to photograph them. Um, Tamara, is that something that you also kind of deal with? Oh my goodness. Yes. So what is both of you, can you like, how, give me an example of what that means. Cause I'm just saying, have you had family ask to shoot, but like, what does that typically look like? Uh, well, in terms of the request. Yeah. Well, for me, um, what, it, and again, I hardly ever deal with this anymore, but certainly the first few years in business, it, w- it was very problematic because when you first start out, you want that, you want to build up your portfolio. You want people to spread the word. You realize that doing these shoots also can enable you to get more word of mouth. It's just a very natural way to get into photography. And it's how most people do by the time they have a website up and they have a portfolio built, they've done a fair amount of that to get going. Uh, certainly in the portrait world, actually not just the portrait world in most worlds, you know, so there's that. But after a while, and hopefully sooner than later, you start realizing your time is a, a very precious commodity. And you have to be able to obviously get the value for the work you're putting out. And at that point, that's where you kind of make some key decisions. And what I did in my business was I put a, you know, initially she started as assistant, and then she was um, kind of a, a studio operations person, then a manager. And, and I've had a full time studio director for the last 10 years now maybe, yeah, more like 11 years now. Uh, and that person's the person that when something comes in, I say, you know what, I, I don't even know my calendar. Let me get you in touch with uh, my studio director and she can figure out what's going on. And then my studio director has that conversation. So the reason I've done that is I needed to put a wall between me and the inquiries because it's in my nature to say, okay, I'll just this one time. Uh, but there's so many one times. Right. And what's even more interesting is when you do have a number of paid shoots in a row, suddenly those clients become your friends. And then you start feeling weird about charging them, even though you've had a couple professional shoots in a row. So for all those reasons and more, that's one of the ways I've been able to manage it is just put a barrier between me and those inquiries so that they can be you know, more fairly managed all the way across the board. But then what about people who can't justify having a studio manager you know, but they are at that point now where... Yeah, yeah. Well, what, what I did when I say we started as an assistant, one of the first roles I had an assistant do was for $8 an hour for eight hours a week, do phone calls, scheduling, you know, be that buffer. $8 an hour, eight hours a week, <laughs> to quick carry the one. Sharky, what's that phrase you always do? The, the angle, the dangle, <laughs> and the heat of the meat. So that's what, $64? <laughs> Very <Yeah>. Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> so you had a gatekeeper who's, you had them practice the word no. And in Spanish, no. No. Uh, and in French, no. Well, that that and also, uh, and maybe you guys had a different experience, but sometimes people won't even say, can you do it for free? They just say, can you do it? We'll work it all out later or something. And then later became where I was like, eh, it's okay. You know, I didn't, that's what I was doing without the gatekeeper. That's interesting because maybe you can say that could be me or whatever, but I, I definitely think more of a, in a binary term where like Sharky said, like, my wall is kind of like drawing a line in the sand and saying, well, it gets weird because what are the expectations that come with that? You're going to bring your A game no matter what you do, because that's kind of why you're successful. I, I don't know. For me, it's it's partly because I don't photograph people often at all. But you started, Tamara, talking about the like the when you first started, almost like a, was it like a quid pro quo in, in terms of like, I will do this for you if I can in, in exchange for getting for me, for instance, I have four absolutely gorgeous, adorable nieces and nephews here in Lincoln. And one of the things this it's not like um, my sister-in-law ever asked to take photos of them, but I wanted to mm-hmm. build my stock portfolio on Stocksy and uh, of people of, or of kids, not necessarily of the stuff I have now is mostly landscape on there. But 
what we did was we kind of like, she signed a model release for the year. And anytime I get, you know, I, whenever we have opportunities, I exchange these photos and I take, you know, I, I wanted those photos to look really good. And I, and anyway, I think that that's something that would be an interesting trade-off. But the problem is when it's like, you know, I've never really had a big shoot, a portrait shoot, but like Tamara and Sharky, like, is that kind of what is expected? Like, if you have a family or friend when you were first starting, like you said, is it the type of thing where you're like bringing your lights out and you're going out on location and then you have like, you know, 150 photos that you have to pare down and edit? Like, what is uh, that like? Yeah, well, I'll, Sharky, you go. Okay, so... I was a photojournalist up until a little over four years ago. I was the most visible photographer in my area. So when people were like, hey, I need photos, I know a guy, you know, so they'd hit me up. And when you're a photojournalist, you don't know what your schedule is from moment to moment. But I would get hit up constantly. I was at a, there was a high school concert that I, like a choral concert that I had to shoot, which was always painful. (laughs) Ask any photojournalist. Painful. You just, oh, you just, they're horrible to shoot over and over and over again. It's like Groundhog Day. But before, or no, after the, uh, the shoot, the mother of one of the singers asked me if I would shoot her daughter's um, actually, this was so. This was at a high school, but this wasn't a high school event. This was just a um, like a, a Christmas choral kind of you know concert, a yearly program, Christmas program. And she asked me if I would photograph her daughter's wedding, which was coming up, I think, in about like three weeks. And she's like, "Well, we'll feed you." <laughs> oh, okay. So you'll yeah, give me yeah. a, a ten dollar plate of food at best, and you want yeah. me to to spend all this, all these hours shooting, yeah. all these hours calling, etc. And here's the kicker is her daughter, I mean, has like the voice of an angel. She gets hired by people mm-hmm. to sing at their weddings. So you think her mother would have a little bit of sensitivity towards this, but it was like, hey, I know a guy who, oh, she even said, I know you love photography. So yeah, I'm going to do the favor of feeding you and letting you do what you love. Yeah, because it's your it's your career. You know, I yeah. when I was yeah. at my yeah at my last at, at my last newspaper, I did f- over fifteen hundred assignments in a little over five years. That's a mm-hmm. lot of times to take your mm-hmm. camera out. Like all I want to do in my spare time right. is take the camera mm-hmm. out again, right? You know, and so but then you you know when I discovered the Strobus blog, DavidHobbyStrobus dot blog, I seem to mention uh, David or Strobus every episode, but it's great. Go through the lighting one hundred one and one hundred two tutorials there. And you will want to take the lights out. You'll want to buy a flash or two and do some shoots. And so, you know, I hit up my friends and their kids were graduating high school. So I did some complimentary, also known as free, for those who don't get complimentary, free shoots for them, right? But then you you do a couple of free senior uh, sessions and then you start getting calls and emails from people. Hey, I hear you do free shoots. Yeah. You know, so it's like you, you got to tell your friends if you're going to shoot for them, don't tell, don't. They shouldn't be telling their friends that you do free shoots. That should not be the word. You don't want that stank on you because then you're known as the free photographer. Mm-hmm. That's not what you want. Yeah. I mean, I think there's so just to kind of wrap this up because we are going long here. But Sharky, what you're saying in terms of and kind of what I was saying there, there I think there is a um, progression in terms of and, and also Tamara, like initially when you want to build your portfolio or, you know, cut your teeth on a certain skill, like you said, like with strobus lighting, that is great because unless you have, you're fortunate to have people in your immediate life who who are, can help you with that, you usually will have to go out and trade for that. But I do like, I never really considered this, and it's actually something I want to bring up to Nicole. Tamara, what you were saying where you started off with, what, what was it, an assistant you said at the very beginning? Yeah, or a, yeah an assistant. A one hour a day or one hour at $8 and eight hours a week. Mm-hmm, exactly. You know, I, I like that idea too, because at some point, 
and and tell me if this is uh, if this is uh, accurate, but like at some point, did you need to do that in order to really for those who are looking to kind of advance their careers professionally? That's something you had to do, right? You reached a point where like you needed to offload. Oh. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I speak to that all the time in workshops and stuff is that there's few ways to kind of be able to do everything you want to do uh, without getting that kind of assistance sooner than later. And, you know, it's, it goes back to the idea that you can do, you know, a lot of different things. You just can't do it all at once and you can't be the only one doing it all, you know? Yeah. And so um, having that person come in initially was uh, was for a couple of reasons, one of which was to manage the schedule and return phone calls and do some administrative stuff that I was falling down on and didn't have a passion for. But the other part was to simply have those awkward conversations that I no longer wanted to have. And I didn't want to be put in that position again and again. And doing that, I look back, it's one of the smartest things I ever did because uh, I could keep the role of a creative with great relationships. And the rest was just being handled by my assistant's then manager, then studio director. I've got a great idea. For those that can't afford an assistant, just get a free Google voice number, make up a name, give it to people and say, hey, go ahead and call Judy and here's her number. They'll never get a call back. Just keep calling Judy. She's really busy. <laughs> or it could be James just to have oh, equal opportunity. Nicely. Oh. nicely done, Brian. As soon as he nice. said Judy, I'm like, oh, he's just giving me a, a layup right here. <laughs> That's pretty funny, actually, Sharky. <laughs> that's not a dad joke, but that's pretty funny. So I like, and I'll close this out, but I like that idea. I think $8 an hour, even $10 an hour for factoring in for inflation. People at some point you need, you know, and, and I deal with this. I know Nicole deals with this all the time. There's just this balance of administrative business stuff. We both already offloaded all tax related stuff to an accountant. We have an, like an on-call accountant who handles everything, but in terms of all the other stuff, so wait, hold on a second. So you might even be eligible as a business to have an intern from your local college or high school. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I we've had dozens and dozens and dozens. And that's another I mean, I, I would love to have that conversation as well in terms of, you know, you have a studio, you have an actual place and you do that kind of work there as well as your speaking engagements. Um, you have your coffee shop, you have your all of your causes that you uh, work for. But I would consider myself on my or my business much less hectic, I guess. So I don't know with like intern. I, I don't know how that works. I know there are like that's a regulated thing. You can't just like have free labor. You have to somehow show that you're helping. Them. I make them wash everything in my closet and like get yeah, my exactly. makeup ready. And no, no, there is. And, and we could do a whole nother show on that because we've actually created a system that enables us to actually give them the bare minimum of what they absolutely need and deserve in that role um, on a consistent basis, but also takes the work off our plate to manage them because sometimes getting someone to help you is more work than they can actually do for you. So we kind of have a whole system in place set up for that. And it's been by and large, really outstanding, outstanding to have, like I said, I mean, I think over, gosh, I, since almost in the beginning, I, like Sharky said, you know, looking around at local colleges and high schools, I would easily say maybe 40 different interns have come through here. I suspect we're going to get a lot of people from the, uh, our listeners who are going to want more information on that. I think that's a really meaty topic. And this is not an opportunity to find dates yeah, no. and have a, re a regular, just like, you know, turnstile of of interns in and out of your studio studio and air quotes your your spare bedroom oh my god that's not how not how it works guys or girls i don't know i think i know different women than you know oh wow we are all <laughs> capable of crazy things no name photo show after after hours yeah. that's what we're gonna have to have. <laughs> who thought so, tamra lackey was gonna take us down into the gutter yeah hey, tell me. that's why we love her
So what I would like to do to close things out is we have this little segment at the end of the show that we call What's on Your Gear Shelf. And we were going to blast through the Sharky because I feel badly for your editing in a couple of days. (laughs) So Sharky, no, what am I doing? Ladies first. There are, I mean, chivalry is still one of those things that I believe in. I still like it when people put my bag in the overhead. Well, especially if it's like a, you know, giant pelican with like, Right, right. Those get heavy. Well, I don't know if you're, are you allowed to take this one? I guess Some of them. No, I've, I've um, stood there where someone has said, do you mind if I help you? Like, as if I don't want to offend you. I'm like, oh my God. Oh, they proactively. Please lift. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's not sexist. Oh, That's so just helpful. <laughs> That's yeah. nice. Um, do you have, by any chance, something on your gear shelf that you want to just like mention? Something on my gear shelf. Do you have a preference for what kind of things? Because I have a, well, you saw, I have a shelves and shelves full of things. It could be something Nikon, for instance. Yeah. Oh, well. It could be anything I you want. I will tell you that the combo for me, the, the gold standard combo for me that I love on my gear shelf so much that I keep them together, affixed, if you will, is the D850 and the 105-14 lens. Those... That's oh like God. a magic, magic, magic place. I didn't even know Nikon had a 105. Oh, it's my favorite lens of all time. I try, I always try to use it for everything. People are like, this is not really a 105 shot. I'm like, it can be. The D850 is wonderful. I have not tried it yet, but everyone I've talked to just raves about it. It's one of those cameras, and this leads into when I talk about my gear pick, is Nikon has these bodies that come out every once in a while. I don't know if you've ever shot with the D700 camera, but that's what I used for a good chunk of my photojournalism career. Love that camera. It was basically a D3, but $4,000 cheaper. (laughs) And so Nikon, (laughs) Nikon, so you can get two of them with grips. Nikon and the batteries in charge. Nikon comes out with these bodies every once in a while that just are disruptors. Mm-hmm. And the D850 is one of those. Mm-hmm. The D500 is one of those. The D700 was. The D7500 is not. I call it the Franken camera, but we won't get into that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the platypus of, of the Nikon lineup, okay. but it's okay. okay. It's still a great, still a great camera. But um, the D850 is one of those cameras that seeks to do just about everything. You could, you wouldn't necessarily choose it to shoot. It wouldn't be your first choice for sports, but you could get the job done with that camera. Oh, I mean, yeah, you nine frames per second, and they're forty-seven point six megabit f- frames. I mean, you can get a lot done with that camera. So buy Photo Mechanic as well, because you're going to be calling some ginormous frames. Yeah, Sharky, what's on your gear shelf? I kind of talked about it a little bit. What's on my gear shelf is right here in my hand the Nikon D500, which I famously almost sold a number of months ago, but thanks to my procrastination, still have, and I'm happy I do. It's a great body. 20.9 megapixels, 10 frames a second, 4K video, just incredible. It's one of those lightweight until you add the the grip, because I'm 6'4", I have ginormous hands, so I need the grip on everything. And uh, it's just, it's a great all-around camera. And if you can't afford a full frame body and you don't have full frame lenses, there's nothing wrong with a D500. No one can tell the difference between full frame, medium format, anything. I dare people to tell the difference. Tell, Look at a photo and say what it was shot with. The D500 is a wonderful camera. I think it's like about 2000 bucks right now. That's a great, that's, that's a bargain. It is. And what's cool about that too, the crop sensor, a lot of people are like, oh, I want full frame. But when you're in a situation where you need to get much closer and you need that reach pairing a crop sensor with a 200 millimeter, you got a 300 millimeter, you know, reach right there. That's amazing. Yeah. If you're shooting sports, the D500 would be a great, great camera mm-hmm. to get. And that's why I got mm-hmm. it. Go ahead, Brian. What's on your gear shelf? Unless you want to add to that. No, I'm just going to, well, I mean, actually, I don't have any, I've never shot Nikon ever. So not for, I'm not knocking. I just haven't had the opportunity or I've been, you know, in a ambassador thing where I couldn't 
but um, my thing is not a camera, but it's, it is an accessory. I do, you know, a lot of landscape photography and I have to bring my filters pretty much everywhere I go. And so I have this thing called a mind shift. Uh, I don't know why I'm holding the camera for you guys to see because <laughs> we don't do video anymore. For your audience of but, two. Right. It's called the, the mind shift filter hive and uh, it's made by mind shift, which is a sister company to think tank photo. And until this came out, I've always been searching for like a solid filter holder system because I hated carrying individual filters in their own things. And the ones that were out there were not providing enough protection or they w- it wasn't large enough to hold the filters that I needed and the adapter rings. So the filter hive is just this really, really great accessory that, you know, it doesn't just hold, you know, screw on circular filters that'll hold 100 by 100 squares and 100 by 150 grad filters, like the longer ones, um, and thicker four millimeter filters like cinema filters. So it's just a, a great little, it's not that expensive. You know, we'll, we'll link to it. We'll link to everything in the show notes, uh, no name photoshow.com. But yeah, it's just one of those things I take, it goes with me in every single bag because I always take filters just in case. It's called Filter Hive. The product is called the Filter ah. Hive. And they have like, they have the Filter Hive is the is the thickest one. It, it, ha, it has the largest capacity. There's a thinner one that they make as well. So um, and I, th- I can't remember. I think it's called like the filter nest oh, or cute. something. That's cute. But, come on. Um, yeah. <laughs> it does not come with any honey or any birds. <laughs> no, it, no, it doesn't. I don't even have a good reply <laughs> to that one, Sharky. But <laughs> you never do. Why start now? <laughs> I I'll leave it to you. I'm just the smart one. So, um, so with that, that's my pick. Uh, we've gone. This I think our longest episode ever. Tamara, thank you for being such a wonderful, wonderful person and for agreeing to to join us. Before we close out, tell people where they can learn more about you again. And uh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. See, I see. I led with the kind of where you can find, so we could just get right into the conversation. But I'll close with it too. It's just tamaralackey.com. T a m a r a l a c k e y. Oh, right. There's a second part of the name. Correct. <laughs> don't go to tamra.com no. we don't know what you're no. gonna find now i'm wondering yeah yeah sharky what about you <laughs> you uh i host the petapixel photography podcast petapixel.com slash podcast of course no name photoshow.com you're listening to it right now so apparently you found it amazing yes and uh brian where can people find you uh com, which is spelled probably like you never would doesn't sound it's m-a-t-i-a-s-h.com and brian matias on all socials um once again sharky thank you and tamara thank you so so much for being here for lending you know your wonderful thoughts and keep being the awesome person that you are you too <laughs> i think it was a great show i think tamara had a lot to do with that but a great show if i say so myself what do you say yeah I agree. All right, let's clap it out. Tamara, on the count of three. On three, we're going to clap. Here we go. Ready? One, two. Oh, I messed it all up. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Thanks so much for listening to the No Name Photo Show. Sharky and I would be thrilled if you would subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using and tell a friend. How about we do this again next episode? Yeah, let's do that.